630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. Now, from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins, Reed Wilkins on Oilers on Radio. Oilers. 630 Chad. Wins a battle, comes out of the corner, short side stuff. Save made by Talbot, and here's McDavid leading a three on two down the middle of the ice. He's got Barry beat, drops it off. Lucic a shot, save made by Varlamov, picked in by Connor McDavid. What a brilliant play off the shot by Lucic. McDavid recognized he had an eyelash of space and found it, and Edmonton has its first lead of the night, four to three on McDavid's ninth. A third period explosion by the Edmonton Oilers. They score three goals in the first seven and a half minutes of the frame. They score four in all, and they rally to knock off the Colorado Avalanche 6-3. Third win in a row for the Oilers, who improved to 12-8-1 on the season. First time they have won this year after trailing after two periods. Milan Lucic gets a goal and three assists. Connor McDavid... Three points tonight, a goal and two helpers. Jordan Eberle scores twice, including the empty netter that put it away late in the third. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It's 11.04, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center. I'm Reed Wilkins, joined by former NHLer Rob Brown. And a game where, Rob, it was one of those games through two periods. I'm kind of like, okay, you know, the Oilers look a little disorganized, probably not quite as... uh, Detailed as they were against the Chicago Blackhawks, but you're hanging around down a goal during the third. Uh, going to the third, I mean, huge start. Maybe 32 seconds into the third, Lucic scores, sets the tone for the entire period. He, he did, and it was set by Connor McDavid, and that's what you want your young leader to do: lead by example. You know, the through 40 minutes, the others, it was sloppy. They were probably the better of the two teams, but were behind, and they needed a spark. Todd McClellan puts his best line out to start the third period. Connor McDavid makes a fantastic play, driving the net, pucks in the back of the net, and all of a sudden it became the Oilers, and it's just a matter of how many they would score in the third period. They were all over Colorado. And we've seen this now uh, more than once where the Oilers, they start playing in the third period, they start getting going, they get a lead, and they completely shut down the opposition. Colorado had no chance in the third period, and everybody was going. I think that was key for the Edmonton Oilers. They're getting contributions you know, especially their top three lines that are supposed to score, all contributed. And when you have three t- three lines that can score, it's tough to stop, as Colorado found out tonight. Well, one thing I like, Robin, we talked about it after Monday's game against Chicago. The Blackhawks had only three shots in the third period. And tonight, different scenario because the Oilers were trailing going to the third as opposed to being ahead. But they outshoot Colorado 14-5 in the third period. So there's two third periods. You only give up eight shots combined. That, that's a good formula. It, it is, and it's something that we're, we're starting to see that's more, more, more so as a, a habit now where the Oilers are the better team in the third, and we haven't seen that in the past. But you have new leadership. You have a coaching staff that is much more comfortable with their players, and the players are much more comfortable with the coaches having had them now for a year and a bit, and, and they've stick into the systems. In times before, the Oilers are trailing going into the third period. So many times before we saw when the Oilers were trailing, they would get away from what they were supposed to be doing. They get away from their systems. They get a little bit individual, individual where they try to do things by themselves. 
Oilers stayed within their system, stayed within themselves, and they just kept pushing. And it was wave after wave after wave. It wasn't one good shift, shift off, good shift, shift. It was the first line came out, then the second, then the third, then the fourth, back to the first. The momentum carried, and the Colorado Avalanche could not handle it. Final shots tonight, 41-28 for Edmonton. They win it 6-3. You can reach us, 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. And we'll start the calls with Chris from Phoenix tonight. Hey, Chris, go ahead, man. Hey, what's up, man? Uh, great show, great win. This feels good for all of us uh, long-suffering Oilers fans. Uh, I got a, a bunch of points here. Uh, a good friend of mine in uh, in uh, L.A., Anaheim area, uh, brought up uh, Matt Benning as being this year's uh, Brandon Davidson, and the kid has been just phenomenal. Um, prime example, there was, a, there was a play that I saw, I think it was the third period, where uh, there was a turnover, and there was a potential two-on-one, and instead of, uh, you know, in the past, you see our, our Oilers players kind of, you know, ver- uh, go, go towards the, uh, the one player, he made the smart play and just booked it to the second player that was coming into the zone and, uh, and uh, broke up that uh, two-on-one. Yeah. So just amazing. And, and of course, that uh, big hit on uh, McKinnon was just, uh, you know, was just a bonus. Oh, well, um, you're right. I mean, Benning has been outstanding. And, and it's what I like about Benning and what I like about what the Oilers organization did. And Reed and I watched throughout preseason. We watched the exhibition games, uh, you know, the practices. And we talked about it, that Benning was out playing a number of players. And we're like, you know, if, and we talked on the show, if the Oiler coaching staff, you know, threw contracts out the window and didn't look at who's who and simply picked the play- team based on who played the best, Benning would be here. And I've been on teams where it didn't matter how well you played in preseason, the team was picked. But the Oilers kept bending around. He got his opportunity, and he's excelled. And as Reed has said many times on the show, how do you pull this guy out of the lineup when Davidson get, gets back? I don't think you can. He has played that well, and he's been consistent. So uh, we're seeing more of him now with the physicality that's just another part of his game that just continues to up, to up the ante on how uh, valuable he is back on the, uh, as, as part of their sixth defenseman. And uh, the other uh, the other points that I had is uh, this, this is a completely different Oilers team. This isn't the same team that we've seen over the last uh, seven or eight years because I don't I don't notice them hanging their heads on the bench. I don't I, when something happens they they don't they don't pout they don't they don't do stupid stuff like that. And and also I am noticing that this team initiates contact. Like how how many how how many times in the past have you seen? Oilers forechecks or, or, or whatever we're in the offensive zone and our players are shying away from going to the corners and now it seems like just shift after shift you're seeing our players in those corners and just destroying laying players out and we're leading on the on the hits like I, I'm seeing game after game where we're just we're just laying the body and, it, and it's amazing to watch this team do that and uh, I want to just say something to the critics of uh you know Connor McDavid when he was named the captain. Where are you guys now? That's all I have. <laughs> and, uh, I will be cheer- I will be cheering this team on on Friday. I'm going to go to the game. Oh, good. My Connor McDavid jersey, and uh, let's go Oilers. Right on. We'll hope to hear from you after the game, Chris. It's always great to have you call into the show. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. The Oilers win it six three over the Avalanche. Rob, before we get back to the calls, I want to bring up the the game winning goal, the one we played off the top of the show. McDavid banking it in. And you and I watch all the games together, and you'll often hear me go, he's got him. You know, when he looks like he might turn a defenseman. But you made a great point about how McDavid 
reacted on that rush given the defenseman he was going in against? Well, there, there's only one defenseman on that team that would be able to stay with him there. You said he's got him, and it was Tyson Berry. And Tyson Berry is an incredible skater, and he played it well. And as soon as Connor McDavid realized that, he moved a little outside and all of a sudden decided, okay, we're going to play this a little bit differently. Most players, when they put their head down, they make the decision. That decision's made. And it doesn't matter what else happens out there. They're going to try and make the play that they thought of. But McDavid, and we've talked about it, he thinks as fast as he skates. And you think that's easy, but it's not. Most players, when they start thinking, their feet stop moving. McDavid doesn't. He ends up making a great play, and the play from behind the net. There's only one other player that I've seen consistently that tries to score by banking the puck off the goalie, and that was Mario Lemieux. Would do it all the time. Connor McDavid does it too. He knows exactly what he's doing when he's throwing that puck in from behind the net. Uh, great players make great plays, and Connor McDavid made a number of those tonight. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Steve on the line. Hey, Steve. Hey guys, Reed, Rob. Seriously entertaining hockey tonight. Seriously. But I'd like to focus on a very specific quote from both um, Drysaddle and Connor when they were interviewed uh, tonight. And I think, um, honestly, it just epitomizes the change in the team this year. What they quietly said was, and I'll quote Connor first, he said, I don't care if Lucic scores anything. I feel safer on the ice, and he lets us do what we need to do. Then Leon comes up and says, you know, We're not getting pushed around. We're not getting hurt. We're not being physically dominated. He says it feels good to have these big guys around us, and he's not exactly a mosquito. What are your thoughts? (laughs) No, I think Leon's one of the guys that you you might be reluctant to push. We we haven't seen a huge mean streak from him, but no. I mean, if you you look at the lines, McDavid's playing with Lucic, and Lucic has got a little bit of a mean streak everyone in the league knows. Then you got the second line with Nugent Hopkins. He's playing with Maroon. Big, strong man that we've seen drop the gloves, plays a little bit nasty. And then Leon, who's a big kid himself, but he's got Cassian on his line. And a Slepeshev, but a Cassian who's a bit of a loose cannon. So all of a sudden, there's every line has that nastiness on on it that if you're in a little bit of a scrum after the whistle, you're looking around, oh, came, you know, maybe I'm not going to give him the face wash. Maybe I'm not going to give him the extra push because you know you're going to get one in the lips as well. So I, we've talked about it a number of times when it comes to Lucic. Lucic is going to get his 20 to 25 goals, his 55 points, like he does every year. But what he brings in the dressing room, what he brings to the bench, and what he brings on the ice in the little detail types of stuff is what made him so attractive to all the teams in the National Hockey League in the offseason. And Connor McDavid and the, the skilled players on that team know what he does, and they appreciate what he does. Yeah, great show, guys. Have a good one. Thanks for calling, Steve. 6-3, the Oilers win it. That means a $150 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice. They're an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. What they do is they give 25 bucks for every Oilers goal all season long. It's now up to $1,625. You can also follow that total on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Leon Dreisaitl gets a power play goal in the third. We should talk about this, Rob, to, to be fair. 
Was that a penalty on Jerome McGinley? <laughs> no, that was an awful call. Uh, I know that Jerome's been around forever, and he's probably had some bad calls against him, but that would probably be up in his top five. I, I can't remember, was it Russell or, or, or Sekera who was skating, but they just fell. They caught an edge and fell, and Jerome was the closest guy to it. What you have to do, though, when you're the team getting the power play, and it's a gift, you have to take advantage of it, and the Edmonton Oilers did. Also on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com, you can find a little thing known as the Japanese Village Goal Light for the third straight game and fifth time this season it is turned on. And you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village. Downtown, South Side, and North Side are their three locations. We turn it on whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game. They have outscored their opponents 16-5 over the course of a three-game winning streak after having that uh, five-game losing streak before that where it seemed like nothing was going in. The goals are coming around now. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown with you. We have Greg on the open line. Hello, Greg. Hey, guys. How's it going? We're doing very well. I just got a question. Do uh, Chris Russell and uh, Benning, uh, are they roommates? Because, uh, wow, they, they sure threw some hits. Uh, to, to <laughs> so, um, um, the other thing I had to say is I think the, the dads being there tonight was very good. Uh, they should have put some bets on the game, though. Uh, you know, whoever's son scores the most uh, buys dinner or whatever. But uh, anyway, to my point, um, uh, I think Puyavri had a, a really good game, and he's going to be... A, a, a really good player. He had a few 10-bell chances tonight. Um, you know, uh, I would like him to backhand the puck on goal instead of trying to get it to McDavid. I knew what he was going, what he was trying to do, and that would have been a beauty goal if it would have worked. But uh, it was good stick by the D-man. I understand that. But uh, he still looked good, and he'll only get better with experience, and, and he'll be able to realize, hey, I put that on net. McDavid's there. The rebound's there. And, and that's one thing. The other thing I wanted to say that it kind of, uh, this kind of frustrates me a little bit, and this has been happening happening all throughout the NHL for not only this year but uh, last year as well. Um, players on the ice throwing their hands up when they think there should be a, 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 a penalty that should have been called or whatever. Um, and it kind of annoys me a little bit because you should just keep playing the game and, and get into the play and do what you got to do. Like when Kajula took that stick to the face, he didn't stop, he didn't look at the ref, he didn't throw his hands up. Um, and, and I'm not saying the guy's getting sticky either, but it's other players. But anyway, Kajula just did what he had to do. He got the puck. He still had the puck, and he tried to make a play off it. And I, I just wish more uh, guys in the NHL would would uh, would would do that instead of looking at the ref every time they think there should be a call. No, good point. Though sometimes frustration comes into play, and you, usually you see the guys that do look at the ref or throw their hands up. It's usually the team that's trailing that does it. Frustration boils over. Some maybe it's the third time that there wasn't a call. Uh, I, I understand how. I mean, it looked like Kajula, uh, great, good on the kid, but when you're in the heat of the moment and you think you've been wrong, and and the referees don't call it, sometimes you want the referee to know exactly how you feel about the play. That's why you do it. But yeah, I mean, it was like Barry Sanders when he used to score a touchdown. He wouldn't celebrate; just hand the football to the the ref and say, <laughs> "Yeah, I've been here before. I've done this." Oilers win 6-3 over the Avalanche. We have post-game reaction coming up. We have Kevin and Mike standing by. Mike is going to play, finish the play. Fun game for the Oilers, especially the third period. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. From the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 
Miko ranting in against Nugent Hopkins off the faceoff. Colorado and Edmonton basically dead even power play numbers at 17% middle of the pack. Here's a backdoor feed to McGinley. He's denied by Talbot. Rebound. Another stop by a sprawling Talbot. Yeah, two really good saves there by Talbot. Save of the game for Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. Talbot gets the win. He makes 25 stops tonight. The Oilers, four goals in the third period to beat the Colorado Avalanche 6-3. Rennie Bork, who two more goals against the Oilers. Uh, Nathan McKinnon had the other goal. Really good shot on a two-on-one, but the Oilers rally to take this one. Yeah, the Oilers got what they deserved in this game. They were the better team. They came out in the third period and proved it. And they started getting some breaks. The Oilers in their five-game losing streak, when it felt like the the sky was falling, weren't as bad as the streak was. They were in every game. They had opportunities to win a couple of them. They didn't get a lot of breaks. And in this three-game winning streak, they're not dominating all the games, but they're playing well. They're doing the right things. And now they are getting the breaks. And 16 goals, this is what we saw at the beginning of the season. When things bounce their way, this team can score with anyone in the league. They have three scoring lines. Uh, I, I think with the, the line changes that they've made, they took Eberle away from Connor McDavid. And Pugliarvi is probably not as seasoned as Jordan Eberle is. But Connor McDavid, because he is so good, he can make he can pull everyone along with him. And Pugliarvi is learning uh, on the job. And he is getting better, as one of the callers said earlier. Uh, got a text message here from Spike who says, why isn't anybody talking about the first two periods? The Oilers were terrible defensively and looked like they were going to lose the game. It's funny how one great period makes everyone forget about the first two. You guys should critique the whole game. Well, first of all, scoreboard, and it said 6-3 Edmonton at the end. The game doesn't end after two periods, Spike, as I'm sure you know. I mentioned off the top, I didn't, I didn't think the Oilers were overly organized through the first two periods, especially in comparison to how they played against Chicago. I didn't think Colorado was that organized in the first two periods as well. Um, I mean, okay, it was a game that was there for the taking, and, and they took it. And, and some I mean, look, as Rob and I, I think, Rob, we, we agree on this. You always talk about 60 minutes, 60 minutes. Well, you rarely control a game for 60 minutes. How much damage do you do when you're in control? The Oilers took control in the third and scored three goals in seven and a half minutes. So, Spike, fine, we can talk about the, the, the first two periods, but, I mean, scoreboard, man. They, they put up three when they had control, and they, they pretty much ended it right there. And they scored six goals. I mean... Uh, the, when we played in Pittsburgh, the Penguins weren't great in the first two periods. They came back and won the game, and everyone afterwards was complaining that the Oilers struggled and it was a, a huge loss, and they threw it away. The Penguins came out, and they, they played well when they needed to play well, and that's what good teams do. When the game is on the line, their, t- their team plays its best, and the Oilers in the third period, their team was the best. And, and as you said, Reed, very rarely does a team dominate for 60 minutes in the NHL nowadays? There's just, there's no weak teams. So you're going to have the ebbs and flows of the games. There's going to be parts where you've got control. There's parts where the other team has control. You've got to limit the damage when the other team's got the momentum, and you've got to take advantage when you have momentum. And, and the Oilers tonight did that. Kevin is on the line, 780-496-0063. Hey, Kevin. Hey, how's it going? Good. Good. I love calling you guys. You guys are, the overtime open line's great. Well, thank you. I, I called after the L.A. game, um, and I remember Rob was talking about uh, the big guys not stepping up, and I'm the guy who called in and said that we were still one game over 500. 
And here we are a week later. We're now four games over 500, which is excellent news for Oilers fans. But I got a big question. Um, I heard it mentioned tonight that Slepashev looks like he's really stepping up. We all know Pitlick stepped up. Um, he's made the team twice before and suffered some pretty serious injuries that have put him out. Um, with with Slepashev and Pitlick now showing they're their coming around to being able to play consistently at this level, and with Benning playing the way he is, uh, it was mentioned earlier about Davidson, um, with Davidson coming back and with Pitlick and uh, Slepashev and Benning playing as well as they are, who becomes expendable? That's a tough one. Uh, first of all, I don't know if anyone's really expendable in movement because the others need depth. There's gonna there's gonna be injuries. There there always is, oh, and yes. too, and too many times in the past when the Oilers had injuries, they didn't have depth, and all of a sudden you're bringing guys up from the minors who weren't good enough to play up here, and it showed. Uh, that is true. Yes, the Oilers are gonna have the tough call is gonna be on defense. When Davidson mm-hmm. comes back, because Davidson played so well last year, and at times long stretches was their best defenseman in the lineup. Well, and Fane, Fane isn't going to be out forever either. No, so. but I, Fane is a guy that'll be a seventh defenseman or will, will be put on waivers. He's oh, not. Yeah. Yeah. He's not going to play ahead of a Benning or a Nurse or or whoever's in the the lineup. Davidson's a tough one. Now it could be there could be an injury before he gets back that allows him to slide in. But this is really tough because Nurse, he's going to have some rough spots. And tonight at times there were a couple mistakes in the in the first period, but he's still trending up. And I think he's made huge strides this year. Russell's been good. The the first pairing, Klepom and Larson, they're not moving. And Sekera is Sekera. So now you got Benning. Well, Benning how is... Could, he how has good been does so, Larson look in that Larson call? Oh, well, and, mean, no, and this wow. is... A, and, and the reason I talked about it, like, I didn't know a whole lot about Larson before when we traded for him. New mm-hmm. Jersey's just not a team that we followed very closely. I did not know the physicality that Larson had. Tonight he had seven hits. He led the team. He just rubs guys Yeah, up. and he rubs them out, and he smushes them. Like, oh, yeah. he just smushes them, takes them completely out of the play. He's been so effective for the Edmonton Oilers, and I didn't know that. I mean, when you think of a Swedish defenseman, you don't think physicality. You just don't. You think highly skilled and smart. But he's got that extra little edge, little nastiness to him. So yeah. the Oilers do have, <clears throat> excuse me, for the first time, Decisions, and this is good for a coach. Normally, it's like, oh God, how are we going to fill the roster? We got three or four guys that we have to put in that probably shouldn't be here. Now they've got guys like a Latesta right now. He should be oh, in the lineup up. because of how well he played, but he's been knocked out because there's other guys that are playing even better. They got- it's not just it's not just a good position for the coaches and and for uh, Peter, but it's 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 great for Oilers fans to be able to say, wow, now we have we have players that the coaches and and the GM are going to have to make tough decisions on. Whereas in the last couple of years, it's been, ah, who are they going to bring up this time, as, as you as you alluded to? You know, uh, how, how bad is this player going to play? Um, how, how many games are we going to lose with this player out of the lineup? Well, the biggest thing, too, is the Oilers, for the first time in a long time, have competition amongst their team. So yep. there are guys that if you have an off night, we've got guys that can come in and we feel comfortable with them playing. And in the past, they haven't had that. Well, you know, I, I look at the defense now and, you know, uh, first off, I love the fact that I get to rub into uh, a couple of friends' faces that uh, Pitlick and, and Slepashev aren't just uh, uh, plugs uh, on the team. They've actually played very well, especially the last few games. Um, 
but the defense kind of re- reminds me of that 06 uh, Cup run. I mean, um, we had a mix, uh, a mishmash of, of, of defensemen who were good enough to play at this level. Everybody criticized them, with the exception of, of course, Spachek and uh, uh, Pronger, who were really the two standouts. But we made it work, and this time around, we're making it work. And I think we're doing a little bit better on the back end than just making it work. I think that we're showing that, and I think I think Peter Shirelli is showing that, you know, hey, I, I'm a Boston fan too, and I watched them build up Boston. And I think he's showing, you know, you can build a team without having to have that absolute top elite level name on your back end, yep. in your net. Uh, you, you know, you can build the team on the hardworking goaltenders, the hardworking defensemen, and, and then just fill in the front end with, with a few elite players like Chicago and Pittsburgh and Washington have all done. Uh, the Islanders have done it. And then a bunch of other players that you're giving the opportunity to and they're seizing that opportunity. Yeah, and, and for sure, Kevin. That, Kevin, know. we got to run for the news, okay, buddy? But absolutely you're good right. points. Thanks, man. Great. Thanks, Mike. All right, 780-496-0063. Mike is going to finish the play next. We've got to do a quick news, traffic, and weather update here. The Oilers do win at 6-3 over the Avs. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre. Live from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. McDavid coming off the right half boards. 2-1 Colorado. Oilers look for the equalizer. They got two against Chicago. Lucic in front. Kicks it. Rebound score. And there's Jordan Eberle. He's off the schneid. Tying the game with 10 seconds to go in the first period. It's Eberle's sixth. And it's 2-2 in Denver. One of two goals for Eberle tonight. He also got an empty netter. Oilers beat the Avalanche 6-3. Milan Lucic, a goal and three assists, had a four-point game when he was with the Boston Bruins in 2008 against the Atlanta Thrashers. Remember them? Connor McDavid also a uh, good night tonight. He winds up with three points, including the game winner, uh, Leon Dreisaitl, a goal and two assists. Dreisaitl now on a five-game point streak. Well, Milan was one of the guys that we've heard a lot about lately that wasn't living up to his potential, wasn't playing to his his capabilities. And, and tonight you saw uh, the puck bounce for him. And a lot of the puck that was, pucks that were bouncing for him were because he drove the net. He went to the places that he needed to be. He, in the power play, he stood right in front of the goaltender, absorbing punishment. But because he's there, the Oilers were able to produce goals. So uh, Lucic, who looked a little snake-bitten in the, the last number of games, uh, things started working in his favor tonight and had a very strong game, as Connor McDavid himself talked about it after the game. He's Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. We have Mike on the line. Mike, go ahead. Hey, Reed, how are you doing? We're doing well. All right. Love your show. Thank you. Love your show. Is it me, or did Everly actually one-time it? <laughs> And score tonight. Oh, and his on his first goal. Yeah, I thought it was a one timer. Well, it? it wasn't. It wasn't off a pass. It was off a rebound. But yes, he did swoop in and and one touch it. Yeah, it wasn't a pass across that people have been wanting him to take more one timers. But Absolutely. he 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 didn't handle the puck. He just came in and, and fired it in. Yeah. Don't dust. I've been saying saying this, and, and and you guys have been saying it too. Don't dust it off. Just slap it one time it. And I think we got a couple uh, one-timers tonight. 
proves that uh, just shoot it. Shoot it. No matter where you are, just one-time it and get it towards the net. Well, you're, I mean, absolutely. When, when you one-time a puck, it doesn't allow the goaltender to set yeah. up. So he's Absolutely. sliding yeah. across. There's going to be holes. He's not prepared. And when you one-time a puck, if it doesn't go in, there's always going to be a rebound simply because the goalie is not square to you at that point. He's just making a desperate lunge to try and keep the puck from going in the net. Uh, the Oilers directed pucks at net, and we've seen them do that a lot as of late. They weren't always rewarded. Tonight they got the bounces and got rewarded. And, and hopefully this trend continues for the Oilers. And, and just, the one, sorry, go ahead. And the one thing I... The one thing I like tonight is when they got down, they didn't give up. They kept bringing it. And that's what they, you know, they're, they're, I'm really starting to see this team do that more and more. They get down a goal, a couple of goals, no sweat. They keep bringing it, and they uh, they either win or they'll, they'll get it close at least. Yeah, a very good yeah. third period tonight for sure. Mike, you're going to finish the play. You can qualify for the grand prize draw, $1,000 to Integra Tire Auto Center. Visit Integra Tire to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire, experience integrity. Experience, finish the play. McDavid coming off the right half boards. 2-1 Colorado. Oilers look for the equalizer. They got two against Chicago. Lucic in front, kicks it, rebound. Oh, Mike, that's appropriate. That's the goal he was talking about. We, he, that's the one you just played, right, Matthew? So we got it. Um, Everly did score. The- oh, he's – yeah, that's good. We, you played it coming back from commercial too. Mike uh, gets in the grand prize drug. Mike, hang on the phone so Matthew can take your uh, information as well. The Oilers do win at 6-3 tonight. Power play goes 2-4-6. Avalanche went 0-2. They also scored a goal with a delayed – penalty coming to Darnell Nurse. Uh, Rennie Bork, two for the Avs. He's the third star. Milan Lucic, the the three. Did you see who the three stars were picked by tonight? They put the sponsor down instead of who picked them. Bud Light. The I want to know who Bud Light is. He's my new best friend. There's somebody in the world named Bud Light. Uh, Milan Lucic, the second star. Connor McDavid, the first star. These were picked by someone at the Pepsi Center. Our fourth star is for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. I, I, I'm going to go with RNH. I thought he had a really strong game tonight. He had six shots on net. And when RNH is putting the puck on net, he's going to have success. He scored a goal, played very well. His line was good. I, I just looked, 13 shots on net his line had tonight, and he was a catalyst in that. So RNH is my four-star. You know, somebody texted in, I can't find it now, but I thought it was a good point that Everly and Nugent Hopkins just seem to click a little better, or at least have been lately, than than, than even Everly and McDavid might have been. Well, I, there's they're very comfortable playing with each other. They, they've had uh, success over a number of seasons. And the biggest thing, a lot less pressure playing with R&H than it is playing with Connor McDavid. When you're playing with Connor McDavid, you're expected to produce. And some players can handle it well, some can't. I don't know how I'm saying that Everly can't. But when things aren't going well, you are. it's pointed out with much more frequency if you're playing with McDavid. How could you not have scored that? McDavid's right. on, on fire. Why isn't he scoring? If R and H sets you up or if Dry Settle sets you up and you miss, it's not as noticeable. So a little less pressure on Jordan Eberly and just the fact that they, they are comfortable playing with each other, R and H and Eberly. And it what it does too, it gives the Oilers more strength down. So R and H is gonna be, have a better line playing with Eberly than he would be if he was playing with Cassian or he would be if he's playing with Pugliarvi because Everly's a better hockey player than those two right now. Connor McDavid doesn't need to have the highest level player on his line because he can make anybody look good. 
Uh, so Nugent Hopkins, a seven-game goalless drought snap tonight. That's our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better. With help from your chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. We have Cam on the line. Cam, thanks for calling. Hey, guys, how are you tonight? Doing well. That's excellent. I was going to say that um, I think what has to happen here with making a decision on the defense is that Peter Shirelli has to make a decision with what this season, you know, what they're trying to accomplish. And if it's trying to grow a core uh, component to the defense, then obviously you want to look at you want to look at Benning, you want to look at Davidson, you want to look at Nurse. But I guess my question is, and I don't want to be overly critical. I mean, I love the Oilers. I've, I've you know I've been a huge Oilers fan since '77. So my question is, how long can we expect? To live with Darnell Nurse's two massive blunders, you know, every second game. Like tonight, it wasn't even close. That pinch on the first one, you know, there was no. He didn't read anything. He just went in like a like a short hair on his first pheasant hunt. And, and the second one, I mean, like the habits on on that second goal, um, you know, no stick, you know, didn't front, didn't you know, didn't tie up at all. I'm not trying to be negative, but how long can this team continue to live with with getting in a hole because he's not playing the game the way it should be played? So I guess my question is, is it a bit of a conundrum? I know you say he's trending up, but, I mean, what's it going to take for him to tighten up and stiffen up here? Well, you know, I, I'm not seeing that the same as you. I'm seeing Darnell Nurse. He, there's going to be growing pains. He's going to have games that he's not as strong. So is Clef Palm. So is there's games that Larson wasn't as good as he could play. There's games that Russell hasn't been sacred. Everyone has off games. Now, those other players have got a lot more experience than Nurse uh, and right now have a little more uh, gamemanship. But Darnell Nurse, I, I think from where he was last year to where he is this year, he, he, he's immensely a better hockey player. He's a smarter hockey player. He understands his role better. He knows when to go, when not to go. He's still going to have games where he makes mistakes. He's still going to have games where he, the, he fights the puck. But as far as... I, I I have not seen every second game where he has these blunders. I haven't. I know tonight he did. But you you have to live with the good and the bad because I think right now there's a lot more good with Darnell Nurse than there has been bad. That's fair enough. Yeah, for sure. The other thing I wanted to say is, I mean, what a what a story to see Benning. I mean, for this kid, like he just came. I know he's, he's drafted, uh, you know, a few years back in Boston. He played, you know, in, in college, and obviously it's a great developmental forum for him, but. Man, this kid—he just like—I mean—he's not super strong at times, and sometimes he gets a little bit lost. But I mean, this kid—where do you think? And I'll, and I'll get off the phone. And I'll listen. Where do you think this kid's going to cap out? Like, do you guys think he's got an opportunity to be uh, exceptional? Because right now he looks like he's headed for for being a very, very good player on this team. So, uh, I don't know what his potential is, but I mean, to me, I—I I love the story. I know the kid well. I, I've taught him at in in a hockey academy. He's worked at my hockey school the last three years. He's one of the nicest kids you have ever met. He's just he's just a super young man. 
So for him to come here, I was hoping, oh, you know, he signed with the Oilers, maybe gets a couple games this year and gets his feet wet, and down the road he might be a regular with the Oilers. Because I, I am shocked at how well he's played and surprised, but I'm thrilled. What he gives the Oilers, he gives a guy, he's a right-handed shot with good offensive upside that thinks the game very well. He's got a high hockey IQ, comes from a very good hockey family. Both his father and his uncle played in the National Hockey League and were good hockey players. He, he He's way further along the line than I think even the Oilers expected. And to me, he's a kid that you can't take out of the lineup right now because he just keeps adding something every game. First, you saw a guy that could make a good first pass out of his zone. Then you saw a guy that, you know, he's actually pretty smart defensively, reads it well. Then he became a guy that jumped up in the play. And now we're seeing a physicality about it with him. You're like, wow. The, 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 he just brings something different every night, and he's the full package. Now, it's a small sample size. And there's been a lot of players that have come up from the minors, come up from junior, come up from the college ranks, and throw together a 10-20 game stretch. To be a good NHL player, you've got to be consistent over 50, 60, 70 games. Now he's going towards that. He's trending towards that. And I believe he will be that player. And I'm hoping for him. So I don't know what the bar is for him, but I think every time I watch him play, I move his bar a little bit higher. Other NHL action tonight. The Red Wings beat the Sabres 2-1 in a shootout. Devils over the Maple Leafs 5-4 in a shootout. The Leafs were up 3-0 at one point. The Penguins over the Rangers 6-1. Ovechkin gets a hat trick as the Capitals beat the Blues 4-3. Wild knock off the Jets 3-1. The Flames shut out the Blue Jackets 2-0. Lightning win 4-2 over the Flyers. The Predators over the Stars 5-2. The Canucks win 4-1 in Arizona. Sharks edge the Blackhawks 2-1. The Kings over the New York Islanders 4-2, and the Oilers beat the Avalanche 6-3. The Oilers are first in the Pacific Division, two points ahead of both San Jose and L.A. The Sharks do have a game in hand. The scoreboard is presented by Advantage Trailer Rentals. The Oilers win 6-3 over the Avs. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. Third period with the game on the line, the guys just seemed to come out and say, SARS were taking it one way or the other. Yeah, I thought it was... Uh a real good response by our team. Um, I thought after they scored in the second, we had a little lull. Uh, the break between the second and third gave us a chance to regroup. And, you know, right off the bat, that top line of ours uh, goes out and gets a goal led by the captain. And uh, you could feel the momentum building from there. Todd, you only gave up six shots in the third. What does that say about defensive side or is it the offensive side sustaining pressure? I think they go together. The, the more pressure you put on the other team, uh, the fatigue factor prevents them from coming back into your zone. And when we were in our end, we played uh, a lot better than we did in the first two periods. And, um, you know, we have, to, we have to find a way to capture that for 60 minutes. Um, you're still loose in the first and second periods. But, um, again, it's a, a coach probably overanalyzing a win. But, um, you know, it's our job to make them play as, as close to perfect as possible. How did you see the betting hit on Nathan again? I thought it was a tremendous hit. I agree with you, 100%. Kept his arm down, kept his shoulder yep. down. McKinnon was dangerous, though. Yeah, well, he, Nate McKinnon's a hell of a player. He's one of the top players in the league. And, um, you know, his speed, his skill, his ability to shoot, he's, uh, he's a tremendous player. And uh, he showed it tonight. And, um, you know, it's exciting for the NHL when uh, a lot of these young players, a lot of the players that were on Team North America are, are uh, having tremendous years and they're exciting to watch and Nate would be one of them. 
Despite uh, it being a veteran, is this one of those nights that could help Milan Lucic feel a little more <coughs> ease and feel more comfortable offensively? Yeah, you know, he's had a lot of chances. And you got to give them credit for that. Eventually, they're going to start going in. Uh, I think he was a little frustrated after the uh, two-on-one in the second period, I believe. Uh, but he stuck with it and uh, bullied his way to the net, found a rebound, and became a, a very big and important goal for us. So I thought he had a good night. Connor scores those kind of goals. The goal scorers score those ones from behind the net. Yes, they do. They're even looking to shoot. No, they do. Brendan Shanahan scored I don't know how many from back there. They understand where the goalie is and uh, re-attack... Uh, a player that's out of position, and um, <coughs> that doesn't happen by accident. He knew what he was doing in that situation. So the coaches didn't like the game, but the players and the fans probably loved it. Well, I, I, let me make it clear. I liked the game. I liked the the win in the 6-3. Uh, yeah, the, way the, the style of the game. Well, no, the style of the game was okay, too. But, uh, you know, I liked our rushes and all that type of stuff. I'd like to see us tighten up the defensive side of it. I liked all our rushes and everything. So um, don't put words in my mouth. I liked, I liked that game. 6-3 will take. <laughs> That's the final. Oilers beat the Avalanche. That's head coach Todd McClellan. Lucic, four points. You'll hear from him when we get back. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line in the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. From the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. Rob Brown here as well. The Edmonton Oilers win their 12th game of the season, third in a row beating the Colorado Avalanche 6-3 tonight. Here's Milan Lucic, who winds up with four points. Uh, we just kind of talked about sticking with it. Uh, you know, we had some power plays in the end of the second there that we didn't capitalize on, so uh, we wanted to have a strong start to the third, and you know, we kind of talked about having uh, kind of getting our first come-from-behind win, which it was tonight, and uh, you know, just, just taking pucks to the net. Uh, good things, uh, good things happen. I think you look at all the goals; they were just, you know, bounces in front. Uh, last three games, bounces going our way again. So we just got to keep creating. You've up just six shots in the third period. Does that say more about what you guys are doing offensively or defensively in your opinion? Well, I, I think a little bit of both. Uh, you know, we we talked about going out there and playing a win. I think that's that was the mindset heading to the third period. So that was the most important thing for us. You know, we weren't worried about their game and what they were going to do. Obviously, we were aware of it and we respected it. But we knew if uh, we wanted to give ourselves a chance to win, we needed to ramp it up going into the third. First four-point night for you in a little while. How does it feel to just get off the shine and <laughs> bury a few? Nice. It's obviously real nice. Uh, it's been a lot. Been. A long time with only my second four-point night in my career. Uh, points hadn't come easy in the last, you know, eight games, and you know, uh, nice to get some bounces here uh, tonight, and hopefully can build off of that. All right, just want to rip through the scoring summary here to uh, update everybody. At 5.50 of the first, McKinnon from Rantanen and Weirkosh. Nugent Hopkins unassisted at 8.45. Bork from McKinnon and Tootin at 17.19. Power play goal at 19.49. Eberle from Dreisaitl and Lucic, 2-2 after one. Bork from Barry and Rantanen at 12.56 of the second. 3-2 Avalanche after two. Oilers own the third period at 32 seconds. Lucic from McDavid and Larkin. At 625, McDavid from Lucic on the power play at 730. Dry sidle from Lucic and McDavid. Empty net goal at 1945. Everly from Maroon. Shots 41-28. Edmonton. Talbot the winning goaltender. Varlamov the loss. Oilers power play two for six. Avalanche power play over two 
What did I miss, Rob? I don't think you missed anything, but you also, we've talked about many times, you win the special teams battle and your goaltender is the better of the two, you're going to win a lot of hockey games, and both those things happen tonight. Yeah, Talbot, uh, solid. I, you know, I, 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 you know, didn't have to make tons of great saves. I, I know Matthew played earlier the one exchange where he had to stop a rebound and kicked out a, a pad in front. So, uh, you know, it's my experience, goalies don't, Spent a lot of time looking at their save percentage or their goals against average. They say that I let in one fewer than the other guy, regardless of the shots. And, take and the it's, win. it's the truth. Uh, wins and losses, all that matter. And if you ask any goaltender, they'll tell you that. Sometimes you may not have your A game, but you need to make a big save at a big time. And tonight, he, he, he did. When he kept it, a one-goal game going into the third period, gave them a chance because Colorado had their chances in the second period. They, they had stretches where they were outplaying the Edmonton Oilers. He gave them saves, got to the third period, and then the Oilers just completely took over. All right, we're into the final minute here. Just quickly, Pouliot, Latestu, I mean, Grime is not coming back in. Any any changes, you think, for Friday? Uh, no, no, now it gets to a point where you, you start to think. Would you give Kajula a night off? I don't know. You, uh, Kajula, um, uh, you know, slap, possibly. Hendricks, possibly see how he's feeling. He, the, the group that's in there right now deserves to continue to play, but you do not want guys who are healthy sitting out for extended stretches because then they'll get stale and then they'll start to lose everything they built up. So I, I can see either way. I could see Todd going with the exact same lineup, but I could also understand if one of the forwards change, I wouldn't change the defense at all. That's our Inside the Game analyst, Rob Brown. You can get more on 630ched.com slash Oilers. want to thank our studio producer this evening, Matthew Panaschik. Here's what's coming up tomorrow, sports-wise on Ched. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2. I'm going to Lloyd Minster for a dinner tomorrow. Dave Campbell will be in my chair for Inside Sports from 6 to 8. Our next Oilers game is on Friday, 5.30 face-off show. They visit the Arizona Coyotes. That game will start at 7. 6-3, the Oilers beat the Avalanche tonight. Four points for Lucic, three for McDavid. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.